Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Nebraska Hawks. These guys are brave. They're Hawkeyes, living in enemy territory. Listen, these guys are way past their fun. But they're still Hawkeyes. They're spreading the Hawkeye hype to all of Nebraska. The Frost Advisory is canceled. Corn Huskers, more like corn suckers. Are you ready for this podcast? Let's go, Hawks! Well, all right. Welcome back to the Nebraska Hawks Nest, your Hawkeye awake oasis. I can't even spit it out. Located in a Nebraska desert. This was officially the longest it ever took us to start an interview. Just for everyone that's listening or watching on YouTube right now, we had Jerry had to take a pee break. Tom had to take his uh contact lenses out then my my internet stopped working so we had to reset it so we're about 20 minutes in and have done about a minute and a half of an interview so feel sorry for us take some time hit the like and subscribe button so you can get all the updates on all of our hawkeye legend interviews current player interviews everything related hawkeye today we have a guy that jerry and i like to call the godfather of iowa kickers he is Mr. Tom Nichols, sir. How are we doing? <laughs> I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? We're doing good. fantastic. He kind of <laughs> has that Godfather vibe too, with a shaved head. Like, <laughs> like if I make right. him mad, he's gonna show up in my front yard and break a, my legs. A big cigar, yeah, right. You're yeah, gonna, you're gonna have a deer head in your bed in the morning if this goes wrong. Right. So. <laughs> oh. But really, you know, we call the Godfather of Iowa kickers because you know what, Iowa has had a long string of kickers in the 40 years under Hayden Fry yeah. and uh, Kirk Ferentz, and. Anybody that goes back, and we always kind of view that 1981 team, Rose Bowl team, as being the start of it all. And there was a freshman kicker on that 81 Rose Bowl team named Tom Nickel. And we're going to get to all about how that started and how he became the legend that he is. Bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, that young man. I was born in 81, so that's a big year. Oh, my God. (laughs) Don't worry. Jerry was already like 57 at that time, so it's okay. (laughs) Doubt it. So, Tom, Tom, before we get started in there, tell us what you're up to now. What what do you got going? Where do you live? And so on. Yeah, thanks. So um, I, I live in Green Bay, and I work at a company, New Tech Metals. I'm the quality lead there. It's so about a 70-person fabrication business, and um, our, our largest customer is uh, one, of the, one of the largest military contractors in the U.S., so there's a lot of emphasis on quality, and as you can imagine, you know, working with the military, it's it's crossing every T and dotting every I, and, and then some. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Tom, going back to the late 70s, you know, coming from Wisconsin, how does a kid from Wisconsin end up becoming the kicker at the University of Iowa? Because when you first came in, we weren't very good. So it's not, it wasn't really an attractive destination at that time. And, and, and start from the beginning, like how you even developed into kicking. 
what even made you interested in it as far as, and you've got some great stories about growing up in Green yeah. Bay as a kicker too. So, yeah, thanks. Uh, yeah. First of all, thanks you guys. It's fun to look back and, uh, you know, you never do it when you, when, when you get older and, uh, it's, it's really caused me to, to, to look back. It's been a lot of fun. We appreciate um, the memories you created for us. Yeah. So it's, it's been a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I grew up in Green Bay, and like everybody, it you know was a Packer fan. Went to a lot of Packer games, and um, you know I could always kick. I played soccer, I played football, and um, we had a, about thirty yards in our uh, in our backyard, about a thirty yard as of grass, and we had um, a couple oak trees back in the back of our yard. I strung a rope between them and would kick field goals when I was a kid over that rope. And I uh, was backed up against the house and I always pretended I was in the Olympics and it was me against the Russians and whoever lost and we'd be set it back up and it was the next year and the fans were cheering for me and nice. Uh, and it was so, yeah, that was, that was when I was young. But then as I got a little bit older into junior high and high school, um, I used to go to Packer practices and, and watch them and then go kick. And then I used to hang out at a local high school that was close to Lambeau field and, you could hear Lambeau Field from from the high school, and every time the the, uh, the fans would start cheering, I'd kick and pretend that it was something I was doing. <laughs> That's um, awesome. It is awesome. Yeah, it, well, those are good times. And the Packers um, have have Lambeau Field right across from Lambeau Field. They have their practice facility, and it's it must be I don't know two or three hundred yards of extremely manicured grass. But at that time. They had the grass there, but they also had 60 yards of AstroTurf there. And like all teams do, once the season starts, they put tarps all around the fence so nobody can see. And um, when the Packers were away on the weekends, I would jump over the fence and get onto the AstroTurf and kick field goals. And um, pretending. And it was really, you know, everybody has AstroTurf now, but nobody had AstroTurf then. And so it was really fun to get on that turf and kick. And one time, one time I was kicking there and some guy jumped the fence and thought I was Jan Stenerud. Stenerud was kicking for the Packers at the time. <laughs> and the guy was shagging balls for me and I didn't have the heart to tell him that you know, I wasn't Jan Stenerud and besides the Packers weren't in town. Did he ask you for an autograph? You're like, yeah, kid. He did. autograph and I was Praying to God he didn't find a pen. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Jan Stenner would kick till he was like 70. So, I mean, did you at least part of you feel bad? You're like, wait a minute, I'm just a kid. I'm not that Oh, old. no kidding. <laughs> I actually, actually, after or during the freshman year on break, after uh, we beat Michigan State, we're going to the Rose Bowl. I came home for a while and ended up getting to kick with Stenner on that same AstroTurf. And that was wow. That was cool coming full circle and nice and meeting him and, um, yeah. He didn't kick it. He didn't ever kicked it very, very high over the crossbar, but he never missed. Consistent. <laughs> yeah. Tom, how'd, how'd you end up making your way to the University of Iowa then from Wisconsin back during that time? Great story. There was a guy um, that's a year older than me, um, Glenn Sislavich in Green Bay, and he was on my high school team. And I'll tell you, he was he was all world. He was. He must have been 6'3", 225. He's a running back, defensive end. And he had UCLA there, USC there, Notre Dame there, Michigan there, Iowa there. Everybody was coming to recruit him. And while they were there, I was kicking. And so some teams saw me. So I started to get some feelers from Michigan. Um, And that's kind of, I think, how Iowa – Howard Sissel was the coach that recruited up in this area. And – Unbelievable guy. He was one of the assistants. Unbelievable guy. Developed a great relationship with with him, and, and my, my mom and dad did as well. Um, and they just kind of stuck with me, and then Coach Fry showed up, and and um, I had some success in high school, and then I found myself on a Learjet flying to um, Iowa City for an official visit. It was wow, pretty cool. Yeah. Had, had you had any other opportunities, Lon, or uh, to, uh, besides that, Tom? I did. I, I, I went to um, Northwestern on a recruiting trip, and I went to Indiana State on a trip. And the Northwestern trip was <laughs> – it was interesting. Denny Green was the coach there. And, really? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, the deal was that, was that he was – what? He was he – was, he had 
carte blanche to go get the best assistance in the country and really build a program. But their facilities were really subpar, of course, yeah. um, relative to everybody else in the Big Ten. And um, so I took the visit, and I was down there and had a good visit. And I got home. And, you know, when you go on a visit, they hook you up with, they recruit up with somebody on the team. So you're going to hang out with that person and get to know that person so you have some kind of personal relationship when you leave. Um, anyway, long story short, I got home and um, wasn't home more than a day, and the phone rang, and it was um, the assistant coach, um, the, the kicking coach, and he said, we really want you to come here to Northwestern. You know, we're really trying to build a, build a program here and, and just keep talking and talking. And then he said, and uh, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to leave the room and I'm going to hand the phone off to your, the, the person, uh, the player that you were with, you know, this past weekend and have him talk to you. And so the guy, I forget his name. He was an old lineman from out East, oddly enough. Anyway, he, he, um, he said, hang on a sec, Tom. And as soon as the door closed, he goes, Tom. And I go, yeah. And he goes, are you really planning on coming to Northwestern? <laughs> and I said, well, to be honest with you, not really. And he goes, thank God you're coming here. <laughs> why, why, did like, he say, why did he say that? Um, he just he just thought that I could kick. And, and he okay. thought that they were years away from oh. facility-wise, from success-wise, from building a program. Okay. And um, and it made sense. And I appreciated his honesty. You know, then the, the other coach comes back in right away and says, so what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? And, um, um, yeah, I said no to him, but, um, it was, it was interesting having Denny Green, you know, get a couple inches from your face and say, we really want you to come to this university. That was Gosh. pretty powerful. Well, and, and, you know, to put perspective on it, you know, Tom, a lot of people don't realize this is not the Northwestern of the nineties and two thousands. And we know today, I mean, this Northwestern 100%. back at that time was not a good team. I mean, it was really considered a yeah. bye week at the time for the most yeah. part. I mean, Hayden used to school them regularly every year. So, yeah, good point. I'm glad you brought that up because they're certainly a far different team than they yeah, are. Yeah, I mean, their their practice facilities now are probably toward the top of the conference, but if you go are to a really? game, yeah, they're beautiful. It's right on, right on Lake Michigan and if you go to their um their stadium now though, it is by far the worst in the Big 10. It's a, it's is pretty it? bad. Yeah, yeah, it's a distant distant last place, so they need to definitely um, put some money into that. It's when you when you're there, it doesn't even feel like a Big Ten stadium. It feels like a a, a bigger high school stadium, kind of, or a junior college stadium. Sure, you know, I kind of felt that way playing there. And there were probably more fans from Iowa than than there were from Northwestern there at the time. But that's normal. Yeah, it's still that yeah. way today. Yeah, so. that's that's cool. They the one thing they do have is that campus sure is beautiful right there on Lake Michigan. That is something. Else. Yeah, yeah, sure. it's a great great school. Oh, so yeah, what? Uh, so, Tom, we want to go to a question from a fan that kind of fits chronologically into this. And we've got, oh, a, fan, sure. awesome. we've got a fan named Lon in Cedar Rapids who says <laughs> that you owe your starting position to the first stringer breaking their leg <laughs> and that they probably would have all the recognition you got for that 1981 season. Uh, can you answer if that is true or not? Jerry, you're not funny, but well, this is funny. This is good. <laughs> you know – you know the expression, you know, break a leg, meaning good luck. <laughs> um, yeah, sorry to see it happen when it happened. I, I remember um, the first game of that season playing Nebraska. Lon kicked a field goal. And, um, boy, that was a surreal experience coming out of the tunnel when it's full um, in Kinnick Stadium. That was, that was something else. Um, when we played UCLA, it was – I remember him going down and it was, it really was a, a next man up kind of a situation, but um, he went through a rough time. He went through a rough time of that breaking your leg in two places. And I think yeah. he went, went, wasn't the next time he was in Kinnick. He was, he, he couldn't even go to the press or onto the sidelines. He had to stay in the press box just in case his oh, leg got bumped. Oh. Yeah. Well, yeah. Great guy. You know, yeah, tell us a little bit more about Lon. You know, we had him on as a guest. We talked about him a little bit, too. But, I mean, it's just his character and everything. He's such he's a friend of our show. He's just yeah. – his character comes through just in even communicating with him. I mean, tell us about yeah. your experiences with Lon and just how much, you know, you, you you see that he means to the Iowa program. Oh, boy, he is the ambassador, uh, really. Um, being from Iowa, and I think 
when he he's a couple of years older, I was there a few years before before me, but he he pretty much just didn't he he played all kinds of positions. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, when I got there, he was pretty much a tight end and a kicker. And he kicked, as I remember, he kicked up until 35 yards, I think. And then Reggie would kick him beyond that. Um, but uh, I think he didn't he play defensive back or. or in tight end, I think. End too. Tight, yeah, he definitely played tight end, you bet. He was. Um, it's funny because people on that team were like. Like like a lot of teams, they were from all over the place, and Lonnie was the Iowa person on that team for sure, oh, all the way. Sure. And we're talking about Lon Olenzak, by the way, for any of our viewers or listeners yeah. at home. But um, you just mentioned another name to Adam, and I'm sorry to cut in on you, but Reggie Roby. Yeah. You got to work yeah. alongside Reggie Roby as well. You know, tell us about Reggie. You know, we everybody knows the name, but I mean, tell us more about the yeah. man. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Come one, shop all at the JCPenney Friends and Family Sale. Through Wednesday, use your 30% off coupon inside the JCP app and shine on with up to 60% off diamond solitaires and studs. Plus, get carried away with up to 70% off luggage from Samsonite, American Tourister, Skyway, and more. Anyone shops, everyone saves. We got your holiday. JCPenney. Offers valid on select items through 12-7. Offers reflect after coupon savings. Exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details. First of all, rest in peace, Reggie. It was shocking and incredibly shocking, incredibly sad when I heard that he had passed. Um, What a light of a personality. Um, We were, I would say we weren't just really good friends. We were almost best friends. I roomed with Reggie on the road um, for the years that we were together at Iowa uh, I was in his wedding um, when he first got married um, to Carla. Um, we played golf. We hung out together. We practiced together. You know, when you're, it's a change when you go to a, a university and you're a kicker. Once practice starts, we only really kicked for I think it was six or eight minutes during the two-hour practice. Other than that time, we were down on the astroturf on the field, punting and kicking and going through our stuff. The team never practiced on the AstroTurf, um, unless it was, unless the grass, there's grass fields up, up, up near the, um, the training complex, just because uh, it would have been too much of a beating, I think, on everybody's legs to be practicing on AstroTurf all the time. So practice would start. We, um, Reggie and I would head on down to the AstroTurf, come back up and kick, and then we go back on down to the AstroTurf, and we had all kinds of punting games, kicking games, just you know, whatever we could do. Um, to keep ourselves busy and to keep practicing. And, and I remember one time Coach Fry saying, it, it must have been, it was pretty early in the fall, I guess my freshman year. And um, Coach Fry's like, you guys better not be kicking the whole time you're down there. <laughs> I mean, because you're not going to throw, you know, if you're a baseball pitcher, you're not going to throw, you know, a 95 mile an hour fastball for two hours every day. Yeah, you burn yourself then, out. Yeah, kicking is certainly that way. Well, Kirk just recently did uh, an interview with Fox Sports um, for the upcoming college football season, and they asked him. Um, they they presented him on like an all time All Big Ten team, and mm-hmm. they asked him. They said, "Okay." Um, they had like one Iowa guy on there, I think, and that was it. It was like we didn't get any love at all. But they said, and they asked each coach this. So they asked Kirk. They said what are one or two guys that um, from Iowa that you can remember that we maybe left off this list? And Reggie was one of them. And that was one that he talked about how he would just boom a punt, like out, you know, kick it. Yeah. It was just unbelievable. The the power that he had. And then Bob Sanders was the other one that he mentioned that he'd never seen anyone in his career. They could just change the course of a game on the defensive end, like Bob Sanders, the way he'd fly across the field and hit people. And, it almost made it hard in practice for them to even run plays because Bob really? was so disruptive. You know, I remember, um, um, I guess Reggie was a senior at the time, that would have maybe a sophomore, 
when Reggie, um, you know, there were scouts that would come to practice and the Packers had a scout that showed up one time. And um, so once practice started, the guy wanted Reggie to go um, and and he, he wanted to time some of his punts, hang time and, and distance. So we, the guy was sitting in the stands at Kinnick and there's nobody else in the stands except this guy. And Reggie and I ran on down to the AstroTurf and he would get in a playful mood and you could just tell when he was going to just uncork some punts. And we were literally jogging across the end zone and probably five yards deep in the end zone. And he just kind of threw a ball out and punted it like as we're running. And to this day, I've never, I don't know where that punt landed. It was way, I don't know if it was on the 20 yard line, the other side, the 10, it was gone. And, and um, so the guy said, okay, you know, Reggie hit 10, hit 10, hit 10 punts. So if you're, if you're ever in the stadium with that guy, he, when he would punt the ball in an empty stadium, you could hear it echo up the aluminum seats. He would just, you see, would go like, you could hear it echo and the ball would go straight up in the air. And then it would go like across a tabletop for a, for 45, 50 yards. And then it would turn and, and the nose would come, it would come straight down. And I mean, there's so many videos of people trying to catch his punts. It's there where most punts have this parabolic flight. His did not, they went up and went straight ahead and then came straight down. And I think he punted five, five or six punts. And the guy stood up from the Packer uh, Packer organization and he waved them off and, and we went over to talk to the guy, and the guy just shook his head, and he goes, we have no chance of drafting you <laughs> because we're not drafting wow. a punter until late. Yeah. Because you're going to be gone before that. It was just spectacular. We don't want to jump ahead, uh, Tom, too far here, but just on that Reggie Roby note, as you said, he was a junior, year, and you were a freshman, I believe, or he was a senior year or sophomore. You took over the kicking yeah. hand punny duties in the junior year. <laughs> How, you know, we were talking with Lon, and Reggie even used to do the kickoffs right through the uh, goalposts. I even remember that as a so, kid. How, so how, much, how much pressure was that on you to try to take over that, that kicking duty after Reggie had just, you know, lit it up? <laughs> on my recruiting trip um, down to Iowa City, I forget who – the Hawks were playing, but I was sitting next to Owen Gill mm-hmm. and we're in the stands and uh, he was there from, from New York and met him. We're talking a little bit and he kind of looks at me, you know, sideways and he goes, so what position are you? And I said, I'm a kicker. You know, how about you? He goes, I'm a running back. I'm like, all right. And then so Reggie lines up first kickoff of the game, kicks it through the uprights and Owen, I'll never forget, looks over at me with his eyes wide open. He goes, you can kick it better than that. <laughs> like, there's no way. Jeez, that's an yeah, awesome story. Oh, it's a true story. I'm like, holy cow. Fortunately, Reggie, um, he wasn't as accurate as, boy, if he was accurate as a kicker, oh, oh. he could kick a kick at 70 yards, no problem at all. Hey, Tom, you were there during the time where, you know, Hayden made that transition to the uh, Steeler type uniform. Yeah. I don't, I, when I got there, I, I don't know the first year where, was it the first year that happened? 81? I, uh, I, I think it was early in 79 when he first got there. Was it 79 when he changed them? I believe so. Okay. What was the feeling around the team with that new uniform? Look, I knew it was like right around 80 when we did it, but um, what was the feeling around that team with that new look with the uniforms? You know, the Steelers were fantastic at that time. And for them to let us do that, I think that if my memory's right, they actually, he had asked them and then they had actually sent Terry Bradshaw's jersey or something like that over. Um, yeah. Um, and I, possibly. I think yeah. We Coach that. Fry was friends with um, with the Rooney family. And so had oh, reached really? out. Yeah. He had, there was a relationship yeah. there. So, okay. Um, you know, putting it on, it, um, Everything was so color coordinated. It's so incredibly color coordinated, and everybody looked the same. And it was so cool. And we would play games my freshman year. I, I remember playing Michigan, and you know, every I guess every player that would come on has a, has a different kind of memory. You know, different memories. And one of the first memories I have is we were with Michigan in the tunnel, and we're getting ready to run out um, for pregame, and. 
their helmets. It was for Michigan, who, you know, as a kid growing up, I mean, there were two games on TV. It was Nebraska, Oklahoma, and Ohio State, Michigan is what we saw all the time. And um, the Michigan helmets were different shades of blue. They had like three or four different shades of blue. Some were dark, some were lighter, some were in between, this and that. Huh. And it was just odd. It was, And here we were just decked out completely in, in, in game uniforms. And, and it was, I think it added to our it, mystique for sure, um, at least internally for us, gave us confidence. That's interesting. Well, yeah, I think that was Hayden's comment. Hayden said, "If we're going to be a winner, we need to look like a winner," and that was yeah. his whole idea. You know, well said. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. What was your first Perfect. thought of the Tiger Hawk when they brought it in? Because that probably wasn't the logo either when you got recruited, or or was it? It was the logo. Oh, it was it the logo was the already. Logo. So. Yeah, it was the logo, and I mean, how cool is the Tiger Hawk? I mean, there's nothing cooler yeah. than that. I mean, it's been repeated no. by Coach Snyder when he went to K State and yep. several other places. Now Wisconsin's got that kind of motion W thing. And, yeah, yeah. That's I think the t- off of that Tiger Hawk. It stood the test of time. The Tiger Hawk has because I still think that's the coolest logo in sports. But I'm not. I gotta admit, the Power Cat, the logo from Kansas State, is pretty sweet. It's that pretty that's like cool. that. If you're rocking, you know, rocking the purple, you better be. <laughs> you better be coming with a pretty sick logo, and that that. <laughs> That does it. I mean, it does it for me. I think it's a cool logo. I think I got so, pretty good at drawing the tiger hack on on my uh, oh, on my geez. notes at the University of Iowa. Just <laughs> not oh, an yeah. easy one to draw. It is so hard to draw. As a kid, I don't know anybody in Iowa as a kid in the early '80s that didn't know how to draw that, and I'm I never yeah. could perfect it. I could never get the dimensions Uh-oh. just right. On I it. hear you. <laughs> it's, it's, it's tough. <laughs> so, Tom, take us. You're a freshman coming in then in '81. And, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, Lon is a starting kicker. What were yeah. your impressions? I guess, you know, as a freshman, you're coming in. Did you have any sense at all about what that season was going to bring? You know, or were you just kind of like, wow, I'm the new guy in the block and you were just trying to get in the groove? Or, you know, what was that like for you coming into that 81 season? Yeah, yeah that's a great question. You know, I knew I could kick. And um, um, I got recruited pretty hard by Iowa. And, um, and I knew I could kick. Not that I was thinking I was going to get an opportunity. You just never know. I wasn't, I guess, and it really wasn't oriented that way. I just went to practice and kicked as well as I could. And, you know, like I said, there's only six or eight minutes of kicking in practice. So I guess I really, thinking about it, I was just kicking by myself in practice because Reggie and I would kick together, but Lon was doing his other thing. So he didn't kick mm-hmm. with us. He would quick put on a kicking shoe and kick during the, the you know, that session of practice. Um, I do remember feeling really fortunate to suit up for the Nebraska game, the first game that year and, um, going big out game, of the big tunnel, game. Uh, yeah, well, it's Nebraska. I mean, the, here again, I mean, the, the, really the only college games I really saw were Nebraska, Oklahoma and Michigan and, and Ohio state, you know, except for some of the bowl games, but, um, to go out of the tunnel and, um, warm up on the field and the music is playing and the fans are coming in and it's just such a cool environment. And then to go back into the tunnel and listen to the final pregame, pregame, pregame speech thing, and then to go out and get ready to do the swarm across the field. When you walk out of the tunnel and the stadium is jammed um, and I'm sure it's this way for those guys today. I mean, your feet don't touch the, don't touch the, the field when you when you jog across it it's it's the fans just lift you it's it's a sea you feel like you're in a sea of people it is really it's cool and Kinnick is so unique because the fans are so close to you I mean Michigan Stadium is 105,000 I know Penn State's big Ohio State's big but the way their stadiums are configured at Michigan for sure the first rows of seats are only that they go up about two inches, two and a half, three inches, three and a half, four. They don't go straight up at the same angle. So the fans are kind of going away from you rather than going up. So you don't get any feeling, any sense at all of fans being on top of you like they literally are at Kinnick Stadium. All right, Tom, it must be really a tough place. 
we're going to go back here a little bit to your roots back to the beginning. And um, our, uh, our research team did a little bit of work to see, you know, what type of kicking devices were used back then. So we got some, uh, got some photos that were dug up at the, at our local public library here and our crack research team. Now look at these. Absolutely. Had them all. I don't know what that thing in the bottom right corner is. Like that doesn't even look like a kicking tee. It almost looks like a bedpan or something. Yeah. So, um, well, this is going way back, but there was a there was a little kit you could buy, a little octagon shaped kit, uh, and it was called PNFL. The P is probably for play NFL. Okay. And and in that in that little box was a helmet, was a oh god, you're killing me. Was a helmet. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, there was a helmet, there were shoulder pads, and there was a jersey of an NFL team, and there was that little kicking tee in the bottom okay. right. And um, when I was a kid growing up, we had a football team in our backyard, the Green Bay Stormers, we called ourselves. And I had a playbook out there, and I, I had, oh, God, I had the Packers, the Dolphins, the Bears, the Vikings, any anyone I could buy, and um, outfitted our neighborhood with, with, with those gears. And so I probably had six or eight of those bottom right. They had all those teams. The one on the, bottom, the top left was pretty good. It was heavy. <laughs> um, yeah, that one looks pretty significant right there. Yeah, that one is made out of rubber. The other ones are plastic, and if you try to set the ball too far back, you'll see that one on the top right, try to set the ball, lean it back on that one, the thing tips over on you. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. Back, all right, so back to 81, you know, we talked about it. You start out as a freshman. Uh, Lon breaks his leg. And shortly after that comes a certain game in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And you get to be the starting kicker. Yeah. And, you know, I, for those of us who remember, go back to that 81 game, I mean, everybody talks about 12 to 10 and 85. But yeah, that 9 to 7 in Ann Arbor just lives with any of us who live the 81 season. And your freshman Thanks, kicker Jerry. goes in and provides all the scoring for it, Tom. Take us into your mindset going into that game. Did you have any anticipation how big of a role you would play in that game? What, and think, what was your feeling after you know, that? Well, you know, I, I, you know, I've gone back and um, since I knew we were going to get together and started looking at those all those YouTubes, and uh, I guess knowing the defense that we had, you know, anybody would think we were going to be in any game because that defense was unbelievable. How 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 good they were, just at shutting teams down. Um, I think that year Nebraska was ranked third and we beat them and UCLA was ranked sixth or seventh. We beat them and Michigan's ranked five. We went over there and beat them and just shut everybody down. Wow. Um, it's what Nebraska had seven UCLA had, what did they have? Did they have seven and seven. I think and, yeah. Michigan had seven. I mean, yeah. three touchdowns against that. That's, <laughs> that's insane. I mean, and any team that could do that today, versus any top five or top seven teams. I mean, they would deserve to to be talked about for sure as far as defense goes. How mad um, was Bo after that game? Because like he was quoted as somebody asked him uh oh, you yeah. know what what they thought they were gonna do for a bowl game now and he goes, screw a bowl game. We don't we can't go to a bowl game. We can't even score a touchdown. We're not going to yeah. a bowl game. <laughs> yeah, we used to do the hokey pokey after all those wins, you know, and I hope they still do. And uh then somebody I don't know who it was struck up the Who's afraid of the big bad wolf? You know that, that chant, and we were just screaming it in the locker room. And um, we came out of the locker room, and I'm sure they could hear it across the hall. <laughs> Good. That was that was pretty cool. That was were pretty cool any, time. Were you ever privy to any of the classic Bo and Hayden stories? We always talk about the one where Hayden had the guards and tackles. You know, long snapping, and and uh, it was the ball was going all over the place, and Bo saying. Hey, and you don't plan on playing those guys, do you? And Hayden says, "Well, Bo, we don't that's, plan on kicking all day." Were, was there ever any of that banter? Um, was, was there any of that banter know, with you that you were afraid of, 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Come one, shop all at the JCPenney Friends and Family Sale. Through Wednesday, use your 30% off coupon inside the JCP app and shine on with up to 60% off diamond solitaires and studs. Plus, get carried away with up to 70% off luggage from Samsonite, American Tourister, Skyway, and more. Anyone shops, everyone saves. We got your holiday. JCPenney. Offers valid on select items through 12-7. Offers reflect after coupon savings. Exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details. None directly, um, none directly that I can recall. I will say this, though. Coach Fry would sit there at uh, the 50, you know, at, during warm-ups, and um, Coach Schembechler would do the same. Maybe maybe all the teams did that. But Schembechler would just sit there and stare at, at stare us down. I remember him staring me down in 83 over there as I was punting in warm-ups, just standing there. And he, I was punting from the 20-yard line, and he was just standing there, you know, 15 yards away on the sideline, just staring. I'm like, what are you looking at me for? We're warming up right now, you know? But uh, yeah, he was sending negative, are... negative thoughts your way. <laughs> you know, a funny story. When I was in high school, I um, we were playing one of our crosstown rivals, and I kicked a 54-yard field goal. And after the game, we beat that. We beat the team. Um, and Southwest was the, the name of the, the high school. After the game, before we got on the bus, I was talking to this guy that from the from the stands, and he was a University of Michigan alum, and he said, "You know what, Tom? I'm going to write Bullshen Beckler a letter because I know the athletic department, and I'm going to tell him that if they don't recruit you, that you could come back to haunt them." And true story, he, he wrote the letter, and he actually gave me a couple of years later a copy of that letter, and uh, I don't have it any longer, but it was. It was nice to see it come around. <laughs> nice. so, so before we get off that subject, you know, just come back around then nine to seven, you're responsible for the three field goals in the big house yeah. over Michigan. Yeah. You're fresh, you know, where you're a freshman, as we've discussed, you're, you're a freshman just straight out of green Bay. What's your yeah. feeling like after that game after, you know, and I, we talked to Rob Howland about being remembered for your successes. I can't even remember right now if you had any misses. All I know is you kicked the three field goals to beat Michigan. How does that just feel like, as, a, as a young 18-year-old to come out of that game and know that? You know, it's just like Jack Nicholas says. You know, if you ask Jack Nicholas if he ever, if he ever missed a putt, he would say no. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, he never missed a putt. He still yeah. he, he just saved your face. That's funny. Uh, I missed a lot of kicks. Um, you know what? It's, it's interesting. What I think is interesting, you guys, is how quickly you get used to a situation. Maybe it's just that way as human beings, you can adapt to a situation so quick. Um, the UCLA game, I got on the field uh, the first time I was ever on. Well, I guess it was the second time I kicked an onside kick at Iowa State the week before. But to kick a field goal, it was a 50-yard field goal from the right hash with five seconds left in the first half. And um, all I wanted to do was make contact with it and get it going towards the uprights. That's all. It's just get it airborne and get it going that way. And, uh, and I hit it really solid. It just missed to the right by, you know, three feet or so. And all of a sudden, the nerves were kind of gone. And there's, I think that, and maybe it was Coach Fry, because we had such a, his, his from what I understand, his philosophy was he was going to recruit people that were successful from successful programs that were winners, were used to winning. So when they stepped on the field, they expected to win. And um, that's certainly the way I felt kicking. Um, was always a little nervous. You get a little nervous, especially the first one. Um, but at Michigan, it was really, first of all, the kicks weren't very far. Um, but um, if you talk to any other kickers, those right hash kicks when you're down close to the end zone are tough. Because if you're a right-footed kicker, you're actually, you know, the hash marks are outside of the, the width of the uprights. So you're actually running to the right to kick the ball back to the left. And you really got to angle it right. The left hash kicks are far easier. 
Um, but um, yeah, it was. I don't know. I felt kind. Of, I I guess I felt good. You know, I felt I felt confident. Um, it's more nerve wracking. I'll say this: it's more nerve wracking if there's one person in the stands than if there's a hundred some thousand in the stands because they just all kind of blend together. Tom, back from your playing days, tell us about maybe a situation or a teammate that you had that, you know, you'll, you'll just be, it's a regular day of the week and you think back and you just kind of puts a smirk on your face and you smile and laugh. Uh, we, we, we love to ask some of the former players, you know, a funny practice story or, you know, a guy that you sure. played with, it just was a character. Uh, when we talk about that, uh, is there someone or a situation that comes to mind? We had, um, at the end of every practice, we would get together in kind of like a circle and, and before we would break and, and practice was over, one person would jump into, and it was different people all the time. Um, but somebody would jump in and start dancing and yelling and screaming and break dancing and whatever. And it was, it just cracked everybody up and it was a great, you know, way to loosen the tension from a, from a practice. Um, so in that regard, a number of people would jump in. Um, but on a personal note, Reggie, for sure, was a card. He was, he kept everything loose all the time. You bet. He never got, he never got all fired up or, or emotional about something. He was just, well, plus it helps when Coach Fry every day in practice, Coach Fry in practice would say, Reggie, um, is there anybody else in the NFL, is there anybody in college that has your, your average? And he would say, no. And he said, is there anybody in the NFL that has your, your punting average? He'd say, no. And he'd go, Reggie, you're the best punter in the world. <laughs> I love it. And it's true. How can you dispute it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it was, wow. Yeah, I mean, the hair on my arm, I think, wow. That's, to be told <laughs> that is pretty, pretty wild. He never I'm said le- that to me. <laughs> legend. <laughs> so, Finishing out that 81 season, there's so much to talk about, but, I mean, we've only got a limited amount of time here. So uh, Michigan State game to finish the season, 614 left in the first quarter. They announce Ohio State had beat Michigan, and you guys are going to the Rose Bowl. And then you guys go on to to shred Michigan State in that game. But tell us us about that moment and what that feeling was like. 19 straight losing seasons straight to the Rose Bowl. Uh, And know at that moment we were going. Maybe the celebration that night, too, out with the guys and with Reggie. Because if you tell us you didn't celebrate, come on. Remember, I was a freshman. I was a good freshman. Hey. You, you went home and you went home and studied, right, Tom? I got indoctrinated later, that's for sure. Oh. <laughs> but um, you know, that was really surreal because I remember before we knew, you could just hear the buzz in the in the in the stands, and it just got louder and louder and louder. And and we were not playing very well. And if if person would go back and watch that game. Even when when that score was announced, we weren't play. We it, it was kind of like it was kind of like it was right there for the taking, but we didn't take it. And then I forget what happened, but all of a sudden it was like the top came off, and then we just were rolling from then on in. Um, and then it was yeah, it was what an experience. And there were so many experiences that year of the fans just um, rushing the field, goalposts going down. Uh, it was <laughs> That's beautiful. looking back on it. What a year! I mean, wow. wow what a, I mean, the goalposts were down all the time at Kinnick Stadium. Tom, do you have any of your old stuff from your playing days, like old jersey or helmet or anything like that that you keep as a uh, memento? Thanks for asking. I do. I've got. Um, by the way, I've got two two great great boys, Corbin and Cade. And nice. uh, Corbin's a pharmacist in Des Moines, and right. Cade's an assistant golf pro in Dallas, and. Uh, oh. Corbin's married to uh, Courtney, and um, and they have a little girl, Izzy. So I'm a granddad, and it's uh, been it's great, really, really a cool thing. They, Corbin and Kate, have all the gear. They've got helmets cool. and and jerseys and Rose Bowl rings and and um, game balls and, and things like that. And that's that's fine with me. Very cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As long as I've got a Hawkeye hat or 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 something I can wear to some local establishment on a Saturday and cheer for the Hawks or a swarm, the four Oh two t-shirt directly. From the there you go. I'd love to wear one. You bet. I would wear an RP <laughs> trying to convert people up here in Badgerland, And um, they're a tough yeah. sell. 
But, yeah. Well, they're available on our website for anybody that's out there that wants to know. So, no, perfect. Or, direct, yeah. or, or direct message us on any of our forms yeah. of social media. It's you funny know, you should bring that up, Adam. It's um, funny you anyway. should bring that up. <laughs> so, kind of on a little bit, you know, 82 then, well, I guess let's step back really again then. What, you know, this, not to bring up a bad memory then, but that Rose Bowl. Yeah. You guys went oh, out sure. and had an experience and everything, but I mean, what was your yeah. feeling of just how the wheels fell off in that twenty-eight to nothing Rose Bowl against Washington? God. I don't, you know, I feel like I f- it feels like that game was over in about five minutes. I mean, I mean, not that the first five minutes of game. I mean, it felt like the game lasted five minutes. It was over so fast, and to the point where the game was over and we were in the locker room and it was almost like we had never gone out and played. We hadn't played yet. It was kind of like, let's just go out and play this game again because that wasn't, what was that? Uh I mean, what was that? That was like the 2016 Rose Bowl sounds kind of similar. (laughs) It was, it was very, that was Jacques Robinson from, from Washington. That was a freshman number 28 and just ran over us for all kinds of yards. And, and, And looking at that season, who ran over our defense? Nobody. And he was a freshman and just ran over us. It was, like I said, it was, I don't know. I don't know if it, it was just, yeah. you hate to say it was one of those things because they took it to us 28 to nothing for sure and just whipped us up one side and down the other. But it's sure, I'm sure everybody on our team would like to have gone back out and played that because it didn't feel like it was us. Well, and let's not forget Washington was coached by Don James at the time. And Don James was a legendary yeah. coach in his own right out there. He had many successful seasons. So, you know, it was a good team. And, I mean, it's, I'm sure they were well coached and practiced, and it just happened. Mm-hmm. But I know for Iowa fans, it was just kind of like a, you know, it was like, Ooh, oh. what, what just for us, it was just like a what just happened, you know, because he just kept thinking yeah. something would break, and it just it didn't. So, yeah, we, I mean, we were we were prepared. There was no doubt about it. You know, Coach Fry, the way he ran bowl games was that we would go out there for two weeks, and the first week we would kind of get everything out of our system and and go around and see the sites, and then the second week we would kind of hunker down, or at least in the first half of uh, whatever we weren't out there for a full two weeks, but. um we had good practices out there. We were fired up, ready to go, and came out of the tunnel ready to go. And um, it just seemed like all of a sudden we were running back in the tunnel and the game was over. It was really weird. Yeah. So then the following season, you know, we won't get into like, – we can't cover everything, but the following season you get into, you know. You win the Peach Bowl, though, against Tennessee. And, you know, yeah. did, does that, was that just kind of, was that kind of like getting a, you know, the, a monkey off your back, and, and so to speak? I mean, was there, did that just feel like something gave way that you got that first bowl win in however many years it had been? And, you know, what kind of a feeling was that? Well, and, and here again, I mean, I think that Coach Fry and his philosophy was to recruit winners. So to me, that was the first bowl game that I played in was the Rose Bowl. And, and we went into 80, 82 expecting to play well and play Tennessee and was it 26, 22, I think it was. Um, 28, 22, we, maybe, but yeah. 28, 22, we, we, we were confident and we certainly had the team to do it. Um, looking back as things go, it was interesting that Reggie White was on that team for Tennessee, oh. which mm-hmm. wow. became a legend. So it's, boy, people are, it's amazing who it's it's amazing the opportunity that Iowa gave me to be able to end up on the same field with some people who are all time all timers and you don't know it at the time but then you look back years later and you go wow yeah pretty special Tom did you have any opportunities after <clears throat> you graduated the University of Iowa to play football at the next level I'm glad you brought brought that up when I was close to graduating I I, I was friends with um, Eddie Garcia who was the Packer kicker. Okay. And um, and he was talking about hooking me up with an agent after the season was over, and and I had talked to some other agents, so I kind of talked to another guy <clears throat> from out west, and it turned out to be the the wrong move. I, I I think that as a as a kicker, you need to have an agent that really knows the 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 GMs and the player personnel guys at all these NFL teams that can be in your corner for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a phone call from coach, um, from coach Snyder 
And um, this was after the season. And he said, Tommy, could you come into my office? And so I, I met him in his office and he said, here's what I've done for you. Without me asking him without anything. This is Coach Snyder. This is perfect Coach Snyder. He, um, he goes, I wrote a letter, a personal letter to every NFL team. And um, this team, uh, the Giants, wanted me to come out for a tryout. Uh-huh. So I flew out to New York and, and tried out. It was a summertime tryout for the Giants. And um, it, it was, there were 40 kickers there. And I think their, their kicker, um, Ali Hajishika, used to kick at Michigan, mm-hmm. was their kicker the year before. And he had some leg problems. So they were trying people out. Um, but that was, you know, there was an opportunity to get in front of some people. Um, the day after the draft, the Packers called me, Bob Harlan, who was a GM for the Packers. And I went to Green Bay and tried out. And it really had a really nice tryout there. Um, but Del Greco was the kicker at that time. And and um, he just never missed. He just never missed. He went on from Green Bay to play in, um, where did he play in, in Houston? And then he ended up playing for the Titans for a bunch of years. And um, he deserved to be the kicker. He was. We'd kick these drills and... Out of 15 kicks, I'd make 11 or 12, and he would make 14 or 15 all the time. He was just so solid. But it was fun. So go, real quick, the last game I kind of wanted to ask you about, Tom, and uh, this is a little bit prompted because you and I had had a little bit of a back and forth on this. But in 83, yeah. 83 <clears throat> Ohio State comes to Kinnick, mm-hmm. I believe. And, you know, it was – for them, they had it targeted or circled because they hadn't played you guys in 81. Yeah. Right. And, I mean, I think or from – yeah, and some somebody even said that like the marching band for Ohio State came on chanting Rose Bowl, Rose Bowl, kind of like as they came on or whatever. Didn't know that. But that was such a big game. Iowa ends up pulling that one out. But you you kind of give us a synopsis of that game, and then you said you you know you've got a story I've been waiting to hear about you running into somebody else who's a pretty big name from college football history. So, um, yeah, <laughs> well. <laughs> Yeah, that that's a different. That was over at Ohio State. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Well, you, yeah, go right ahead. You tell State. both of them then. But but yeah. um, yeah, for us to win, well, first of all, let's go back to Ohio State because at, at Ohio State, Keith Byers was, of course, became all world. And Coach Fry is. I was kicking off at the time, and Coach Fry said, "Whatever you do, don't kick it to Byers. Don't kick it to Byers." You know, squib kick it down the field, but don't kick it to Byers. And sure, what do I do? Kick a line drive right <laughs> at the guy. And yeah. it's at Ohio State Stadium. And, and I've gone back and looked at it, um, knowing we were going to do this. And, you know, it isn't exactly the way I, that I recall it, <laughs> to be honest. But it was it was close. I, I uh, kicked it right at him. And he picked it up at about the one or two-yard line on the run. And... It seemed like Ohio State blocked all of our players. All of our players were on the field. And here I was standing at the 50 with Byers coming right at me. And you could just feel the all the stands, um, Ohio State fans stand up. And um, Byers then veered towards our sideline. And I chased him over the sideline, and, and other people were up and chasing him and got a little piece of him. But I felt like I, I maybe had gotten him out of bounds, but I, I sure didn't. The guy had caught him from behind mm-hmm. but uh i just remember coach fry talking to me after that and he wasn't very pleased. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and they beat us that game but the the other game the one that you're referring to the, the the 83 game um again there were so many moments in that game that were you know ohio state was pretty good and that, that was a team that we didn't get to see in 81 we didn't get to see him in 82 and um um, Chuck Long was well on his way to becoming Chuck Long at the time. And um, I remember Ronnie Harmon, some pass over the middle that, that Ronnie got behind the defender and the ball was a little high and Ronnie tipped it up into the air and then caught it and kept running. And it was like a turning point and just kept the offense rolling. And uh, that was, it was fun to beat Ohio State. It always Real- is. 
It's a real you quick. Always is. <laughs> Still is, right? Yeah. Continue, just real quick, continuing on then with Chuck Long and Ronnie Harmon, your senior year was the bowl game where you guys beat down Texas oh, in that wow. Freedom Bowl in the rain. Insane. Oh. 55 to 17. Did you have I a mean, sense? I mean, that's your last game. But did you have a sense of what was going to happen the following yes. year based on? Yes, absolutely. And uh, and this goes back to, and if I could, um, way back to the first game against Nebraska and the practices we had leading up to Nebraska. I remember Coach Fry saying in one of those meetings, he said, gentlemen, and we were in, in, the, in the meeting rooms, he goes, gentlemen, this is how we're going to defeat the University of Nebraska. And, and as I recall, the philosophy was we had two tight ends. And we're going to go two tight end set, and we'll put them both on the same side of the line. And if we do that, it'll force them to bring their cornerback that would normally be out guarding the receiver, bring him in over the, the second tight end. And the safety would have to come up and take the corner. So anyway, we've got a 245-pound tight end against a 190-pound cornerback. And he, and he, we went right through the weights and everything, and he said, if we can't beat Nebraska, he goes, we believe our guy can beat that guy. And that's where we're running the football. And if we can't beat that guy, we don't believe we deserve to win the game. But we did. We think we can beat that guy. And we did. And we just ran all over, right right up the sides all the time, you know, right around the, the tight end. Jerry, where can anyone go other than here to get stories like this? These have been like <laughs> phenomenal stories. They're so good. Well, you know, Adam and I've talked yes. about it, Tom, and I mean, we, we're hoping you're the first of many because that 81 season is just so memorable. And we talked, huh. I believe, with Lon about it and all the players that went on to become, you know, and I guess one of the things we, we're going to oh. ask you about as well, but all the players that went on to become coaches, that went on to become Hall of Famers. I mean, Andre Tippett and Bob Stoops are in the College Football Hall of Fame now. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, Unbelievable. I don't think that 80, 85, you hear a lot about the coaching staff and the players, but I, that 81 team was really the foundation of what yeah. started it all. So we're, oh. we're really hoping in this 40th anniversary season to help kind of get more of your teammates on here and relive that, I, that season. I hope you can. You know, in our locker rooms and our practice locker rooms, the defense is in one locker room, the offense is in the other. And and we did it every game. Um, and – I don't know if other universities do it, but if it was Coach Fry's doing, most likely so. But on the in the offensive locker room where I was, there was a before we played Nebraska, there was a picture. There was on the corkboard was Nebraska's defensive front and a photograph of each of the guys and their name on the at each position, and there was a big sign above it that was incredible. And looking back on it because we're playing Nebraska and they were ranked third and the sign above it said, remember you play your opponent, not their reputation. Mm. And it was insane. I mean, you think about that fast forward, we get into the game and we're playing and Ron Hallstrom was one of our offensive linemen. And I'd gotten to know Ron a little bit and, you know, Lonnie's kicking and Reggie's kicking and I'm kind of hanging out on the sideline thinking this is the coolest thing ever. We're playing big red. And, um, um, the defense was on the field and I went over to Ron and I, you know, he was sweating, <laughs> sweating like crazy. And I, I'm like, like Ron, what do you think? And I'll never forget. He looked at me. I'll never forget his eyes. And he looked at me and he said, we can beat these guys. And I'll never forget that. I, it's just like it was yesterday. And and it went on to happen. As far as the Tennessee game uh, or the uh, Texas game went, um, I I recall that a lot of teams tried to tried to play some some form of zone defense against Chuck and against our offense. And I remember Coach, I remember Coach Fry saying Texas University of Texas plays a straight up man to man period. They just will play man all game long. And I think that we were confident enough in our offense, and it, it, it proved to be the case that if you're going to play man against us with Coach Snyder and his offensive wizardry um, and and the cast of players we had. Um, good luck. And you know, Jerry, you the said conditions it, were horrible. Jerry, you said it perfectly, though, too. And we've said it to Lon when we interviewed him that this team doesn't get enough credit during that era when you were there, Tom, that sent us on a trajectory straight up that we've essentially you know, stayed on for the last 
you know, 30 plus. Yeah. And, you know, we have, I, I would say one of the most consistent programs in the country over the last 30 years. So uh, 30 plus years. So, I mean, you guys really deserve a huge part of the credit for that because you guys turned it around and coach Fry, you know, took it, ran with it. And then, you know, Kirk took the baton and, you know, it's been a pretty solid run ever since I can remember. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and it just continues and continues. And it's it. Uh, I'll say this: it's um, my freshman year when I left to go to um, after the season and went home for a, a few weeks for Thanksgiving break, and then came back. Um, it was so cool to drive back and get into Iowa and see all of the the the, the, the billboards and the the signs the, um, for people cheering for the Hawkeyes. Uh-huh. It is such a unique state. You know, I'm from. Um, from Green Bay, from Wisconsin. At that time, I mean, nobody cared about the Badgers, really. I mean, yeah. you know, the Badgers and people did, but they weren't—they really weren't that good. And and Green Bay or Wisconsin is a Packer state all the way, and Iowa is a Hawkeye state. And you really, when I tell people and they say, "What was it like?" I say, "You know how how it feels to be a Packer around here for people. How it, it's just." It's it's unbelievable. That's the way it is to be a Hawkeye in in in, in Iowa for sure. Well, you guys, you know, have a, a ton of respect from fans like us because you know the college football the way it is today. You know, they're gonna you weren't you're gonna want to go to an Alabama or a Clemson, you know, or a Notre Dame. Whereas you guys had the courage and the vision to come to University of Iowa, where you know we weren't really anything at that time. And you guys decided we're going to make it something. And you guys put in the work and really, you know, change the course of history where, you know, look at a lot of these recruits coming out. You're not changing the course of history. You're not doing anything that hasn't been done before. If you go to Alabama, win a national championship. So I have a lot of respect for the kids that, you know, go to Iowa, go to a Minnesota, go to a Wisconsin where, you know, it's a solid program, but it's not, Yeah, but you're going to make a difference and you're going to really be remembered and, you know, be able to change the course of that program potentially for the next 30 or 40 years. Or you could go to an Alabama, Clemson, Georgia and just be another, you know, hog on the wheel going around every single year. You know, I wonder how it is for kids these days um, getting recruited. I mean, the process, obviously, it's so different, but I wonder how it is. Um, Honestly, I thought, when when I went to Iowa, we were going to win. I I didn't really look at the past. Um, That's because Hayden could sell. <laughs> he could sell, you know. And he said we're we're only recruiting players who are winners, who are used to it, who aren't going to be satisfied with losing. That and we had, I think, well, I could be wrong. <laughs> if I'm not wrong, it's close. I'm close. That we had nine of our eleven um, guys on defense were seniors. And that, that to me, oh boy, and offensively, it took us a few games to kind of pick up the pace and get going. And then we started scoring, scoring some points during games that season. But defensively, right out of the gate, those guys were just, those guys, I mean, honestly, were, were crazy. Um, and I can't say enough about the, the coaches for sure. And one quick story, if I could. Um, yeah. Um, on um, um, Coach Snyder, I remember it must have been junior year. My junior year would have been 80, 83, I think it was. Maybe it was, yeah, it must have been 83. We got beat by Iowa State the second, uh, the second game of the season <clears throat> over there, over at Iowa State. And we only took a bus to two, two places. We took a bus to Madison and we took a bus to Iowa State. Otherwise, we flew everywhere. Um, so we, we got beat. And I think the year is right, but anyway, it was over there, and Chuck was was young at the time, and on the the, the team buses on the way back, I was in the offensive bus, and I sat in the second seat um, in the bus, and and um, Chuck was in the first seat, and of course, Coach Snyder gets on the bus, and he sits in the first seat right next to Chuck, and he had, I bet it was a a three-inch, a four-inch binder full of every play that was called during that game. And before the bus was out, I'm not kidding, before the bus was out of the parking lot, before the bus was even get, was rolling, I I was just sitting there watching him, and, 
And he's like, okay, Chuck, it was first and 10. The ball was on the right hash. Here's the defense they were in. Here was our play call. Here's what happened. And they went through every single play all the way back the two hours to Iowa City. Wow. All the way. It, it was – it's no secret that it, – it's no surprise that Chuck Long had the success he had with Coach Snyder being the – how offensive-minded he was. It, it was – I've never seen anything like it. Usually you just sit in the bus and wait until the meetings the next day. Not, not Coach Snyder. He was all over the minute details of everything. He's a special person. A lot of people during that era that have played for Iowa uh, bring him up and were just That's impacted cool. by him quite a bit. Yeah, such a level. All those coaches, they were – boy, what a coaching tree that, that Coach that Coach Fry had when you, when you look back on it. And Coach Snyder is, of course, one of the, the top of the top. Jerry, we, pa- we, Jerry we passed our hour threshold. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, there's but, so many good you know, stories. Yeah, well, that's just fun. That's what's so great about these guys is there are so many stories. And, you know, I appreciate it because when Tom said it was Iowa was a Hawkeye state, I was thinking to myself, well, Nebraska's a Hawkeye state too now. So, yeah, anyway. nice. <laughs> call. Yeah. Call. I'm trying my best to make Wisconsin one. Well, we're go. trying. We got the one victory last year. We just need a few more in a row, but we're trying to get her done. Let's I'm do sure. it again this year. Yeah. But for sure. Tom, it's been a genuine pleasure. I've been looking forward to this as a 10-year-old. I just remember you as being one of the headline guys on that team. And then the more I realized your story and the, being a freshman and being put into that role, it's just it's been a it's been exciting, at least for me personally, to have you on. I've been looking forward to this one. Jerry, Jerry, thank you. Um, and Adam, thank you. The, the opportunity to do this has been and what you're bringing um, to your audience, which is is fantastic um but what you bring to the for the guests too i mean it's uh you know it's 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 been uh it's been a cool thing and I, the way i've thought about this is it's something that 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 will be stories that my kids don't know that yeah. um they'll now know and um they'll always be able to look back on and and thanks to you guys for bringing them out because <laughs> Um, we're going to get Tom in the regular rotation going forward, Jerry. So we're going to have to have him back on again. There's too many good stories. And any of your friends uh, from the team, that T81 team that want to come on, like I said, it's the 40th anniversary. We'd love to to have more of the stories and hear, hear, hear what they've got to say about it. It's time for a reunion special. Let's do it. There you go. You guys have a great thing rocking. Congratulations. Thanks. Thank you very much. Congratulations. It's really cool. Thank you for everything you did as a Hawkeye. We appreciate it. <laughs> Changing the course of history. Like we, you know, if you guys oh, wouldn't have gotten man. there and, and changed it, we maybe would still stink right now. So this is great. Yeah. I'm this, glad we this, didn't bring up the, the bad kicks. <laughs> well, you know, this this whole podcast had a little trouble getting started, but it was worth the effort. So yeah, oh, yeah. Man. We Tom, got it to a crawling start. <laughs> Tom, Tom, we always end with the Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go All right, Hawks. Tom. Thanks. Go Hawks. Thank you so much. (laughs) Come one, shop all at the JCPenney Friends and Family Sale. Through Wednesday, use your 30% off coupon inside the JCP app and shine on with up to 60% off diamond solitaires and studs. Plus, get carried away with up to 70% off luggage from Samsonite, American Tourister, Skyway, and more. Anyone shops, everyone saves. We got your holiday. J.C. Penny offers valid on select items through twelve seven. Offers reflect after coupon savings. Exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details.